Are there any critters more resilient, scrappy, impressive, and hated than rats? Rat! rat! It's a rat! A rat? It's a rat! Why, you little rat! <laughs> That's right. Hate him or not, rats are all around us. These resourceful rodents are really good at not just surviving, but thriving almost anywhere we are, right? And that makes getting rid of them really hard. Cities like New York are fed up, and the mayor's office is ready to go to war. The rats are absolutely going to hate this announcement. But the rats don't run this city. We do. Uh, That's what you think. But do we actually, because rats have been around us for millennia, and it's going to take a lot to get rid of them. But I'll give you a hint. Doing so starts with us. We assembled our own rat pack to talk all things rats. Let me introduce them. Bethany Brookshire, science journalist and author of Pests, How Humans Create Animal Villains. Joining me from WAMU in Washington. Welcome back to Science Friday. Hi, thanks for having me. Proud to be Rat Pack. (laughs) And Dr. Bobby Corrigan, urban rodentologist and pest consultant. Joining me right here in our New York studios. Welcome to Science Friday. Thank you, Iris. Great to be here. Nice to have you. Uh, Bobby, you've been studying rats for decades and have become a real legend in pest control, I understand. As pesky as rats can be, what is is it about them that you admire? You know, it's an incredible mammal, and um, when you look at it, it started in Mongolia, pretty much spread around the world. And so what I admire about them is you know, they're able to get the job done. No matter what we throw at them, they're able to adapt to it. You know, they're not an animal that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is going to complain, if you will, about having the same meal over and over again. And they make the most of taking advantage of all the nooks and crannies in all our cities. Mm, well, if we've whetted your appetite, maybe a bad, bad way to <laughs> describe it. And you want to talk about rats? Give us a call. Our number is 844-724-8255, 844-SCI-TALK, or you can tweet us at Sci Fry. Now, since you've been doing this for so long, I'm sure you've seen some real adventures, had some real adventures studying rats. What's the wildest thing that's happened to you? You know, it's it's true. You do. They take you on an adventure. For me, I've been in sewers, for example, below old cities, uh, crawling through those sewers. Um, the, the other name for the Noe rat is the sewer rat. And so I see that animal in sewers. I see them at the surface level um, in all different kinds of basements and ceilings and so forth. But for me, I I think, you know, when I I think back, the most adventurous is chasing them through the sewer systems. What can you describe the picture? Paint a picture for us. Well, you know, most people can appreciate a sewer is not a pretty place to hang out, you know, and you have a flashlight, you're in dark and it's quite smelly, as you can imagine, um, and it's wet below, and, and every once in a while you'll feel this um, furry thing scurry by, you know, and, and so it's it's the definition of mysterious, yet at the same wow. time frightening. How did you overcome that fear? Um, it took a while, but I have to tell you, the first time down in the sewer, or the first time down in the basement, knowing there's rats all around me, my heart was pounding, you know, it was full speed ahead, and I didn't know what to expect. But doing it more and more and more as the years went by for research and, and for experience, gradually I realized these rats are not going to attack me. They, you know, they'll scurry away. But if I leave them alone, they're going to leave me alone. Hmm. Bethany, you, you went on a field trip with Bobby when you were writing your book. What did the, the two of you do? 
Yeah, sadly, he did not take me into the sewers. I want to go <laughs> next time. Uh, no, he took me on a wonderful rat safari um, where we got to hang out in a bunch of like the parks in Manhattan and look at some of the rodent control efforts that they were trying out there. It was really amazing because once you start seeing signs of rats places, you cannot unsee them. And you realize mm. they are everywhere. <laughs> well, you you wrote a whole book that I loved about pests and your and our relationship with them. When did our relationship with rats start? I mean, our relationship with rats started actually before the brown rat, really, which is the Norway rat, the sewer rat. It started probably, we think, with the black rat, which um, came out of India and started spreading around 8,000 years ago. We actually, the brown rat didn't really kind of come into Europe and certainly not to North America until the 18th century. Um, Mm. When we know that we started seeing large amounts of brown rats and they kind of displaced the black rat in a lot of places. So, for example, it's probably only brown rats that live in New York, um, but brown and black rats both live in places like Los Angeles where the weather is warmer. Um, So there's a couple different species that you'll you'll see around, but probably in Mm. New York you're looking at brown rats. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. We're talking rats. Uh, <laughs> so much to talk about here. Let me go to the first tweet that came in. Speaking of New York City, visited New York City and a cat-sized rat ran between his legs. Bobby. Well, um, if it was cat-sized, it probably was a cat that ran between his legs. You know, but everybody is that a myth? It is a myth. Everybody loves to say the rats in our alley are big as alley cats, and everyone holds out their hands like giant fish stories. But the average rat, even a large rat, is is going to weigh perhaps one pound, six ounces, somewhere in there. Um, there's no two-pound rats, and there's no rats that are going to get as big as, certainly, as alley cats or anything like that. It's actually to their disadvantage to get much bigger, because mm-hmm. then they can't dart away and dart down small holes and escape into the shadows. So we're not going to have these super big rats. So why are rats so good at living in cities, then? Well, it's... it's um, You know, the cities have billions of interstitial spaces in all kinds of basements below the streets. You know, we have pipes of all different types, not just sewers. We have abandoned pipes that have been there for 200 years, you know, but they can get it done. They can live in ceilings, walls, bushes, in the earthen burrows. So it's successful because they they do it all is kind of the way it is. And we have a lot of food for them. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we do. And every you have a city with a lot of people, you know, somewhere I read with the experts saying 20 to 25 percent of the people are very, you know, they spill things, they drop things, they don't use litter baskets correctly. So the rat has no shortage of opportunities for finding a tidbit to eat. Mm. Bethany, rats, as we have been saying, are easily one of the most hated critters out there. In your research, why are we so averse to them? If they don't seem to be, they they leave us alone, like Bobby says, if we leave them alone. Yeah, I mean, I ended up actually going down a big research rabbit hole around the science of disgust, because people are often afraid of rats, they're afraid of being bitten. But really, the major emotion you get is disgust, right? And it's because disgust is one of the basic emotions, right? We have basic emotions like joy and anger and disgust. Um, And disgust is one of those emotions that specifically is about getting things that might 
make you sick away mm. from you right yeah. so uh, think of the face that people make with disgust which by the way this face is universal the bleh face <laughs> that face <laughs> sometimes the sound is included <laughs> look at your radio yeah absolutely. yes <laughs> and that face is associated with trying to get something out of your mouth um, so that sense of disgust doesn't seem like you know we're not eating rats except right. there are some cultures where they do eat rats um, but you know we don't usually think of it but Disgusting things are things that might cause sickness. So feces, for example. Mm. And then you have rats that are in sewers with the feces. (laughs) Pretty soon, disgust gets transmitted to the things that are associated with things that might make us sick. But, but Bobby, rats leave behind some of their droppings, right? They they do. Uh, You know, the research has shown the average adult rat can uh, defecate into pellets 45 to 65 times every night. You know, and they're, it's not true that they don't have bladders. They do have bladders. It's not true that they can't control their urine. They certainly can control the urine. So, but they are defecating and urinating pretty regularly wherever they go. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, Bethany, you said you, you talked about some places where that rats may not be public enemy number one. Where might that be? Yeah, there are a couple of places around the world. Um, one of my favorite examples is um, the Maori who live in Aotearoa, otherwise known as New Zealand. Um, and they brought the Pacific rat, which they call Kiore, um, to New Zealand when they mm. actually came there. And it was part of their food package. Um, and they still really regard the rat with a lot of respect. All right. We're going to take a break. We have so many phone calls. We're going to get to them. 844-724-8255. Still some room for you to call. Or you can tweet us at SciFry. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. We're talking rats with Bethany Brookshire, science journalist, author of Pests, How Humans Create Animal Villains, Dr. Bobby Corrigan, urban rodentologist and pest consultant. He's here with me in our studios. Our number, 844-724-8255. You can also tweet us at SciFry. Let's go to the phones to Craig in Houston. Hi. Hi there. Hey, how's it going? Go ahead. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm on my third generation of rats. Uh, they live about three or four years, uh, pet rats. Um, also, in Cambodia, rats have been trained to detect landmines. There are ways that rats can be helpful in society, and they're friendly creatures. I promise you, they are friendly. If given to their own druthers, they potty train almost themselves and are very clean. They spend a lot of time grooming. In fact, that's how they show dominance within a pack of rats is by aggressively grooming each other, which is wonderful to watch. Bobby? Yeah, those are great comments. And, you know, it's very true. It's an, it's an animal we really have to admire for everything you just mentioned. You know, it would be great if they would stick to their own territories, for example. And as, as Bethany mentioned, you know, unfortunately, when humans use food and we discard it and what have you, we draw them a little bit too close to us if, if they're coming out from beneath a dirty dumpster with lots of germs and bacteria. And, and even though they're great mammals, it's probably in a city environment we don't want to get too friendly with them and get in too close of a proximity with them uh, thanks for calling uh, uh bethany uh when you did your research did you find that people were defending rats 
I mean, certainly there are, you know, people who have rats as pets. Um, I actually, when I got my author photos taken, I got to pose with one of my friend's rats and she was lovely. Her name was Magrat and she did not poop or pee on me at all the entire photo session. So A plus to her. Um, I know a lot of people who respect rats. You know, they're used, for example, in laboratory research and biomedical right. research and they have contributed amazingly to human health um, and to the health of other animals. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of respect, but I think when you're encountering one coming out of a dumpster, it's a different feeling. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, and, and it's true. Seriously, we do owe a lot of our medications to rats who sacrifice their lives. You know, it's, it's also worth mentioning that, you know, this business of disgust with these animals and also fear, you know, I think if we go all the way back to imagining sleeping in a cave or a, a ute or something like that, and, and you, in the middle of the night, you see something close to the ground that's slinking by and dragging something behind it, almost that has a snake image, and it may even squeak and hiss at us, you know, as we're, we're getting close to it. It's, it can mm. be a very disturbing experience to go through that. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the phones to Susie. Is it Higginham, Connecticut, Susie? It is. Hi, go ahead. Hi. So I have rats living under my house, and I tried trapping them. I got one adult and one baby that I relocated last summer. After that, all I got were squirrels, birds, and chipmunks. So I found this. I don't want to kill them. I found uh, an herbal birth control that I give to them every three days scattered on some food, but I'm seeing little ones now, so it's not working 100%. And my friends all think that they're going to chew up my wires mm. and destroy my house, so I don't know what to do at this point. Bobby, is that correct? Well, you make a very important point, and that is, you know, chew up the wires. You know, the word rodent actually translated means to gnaw. And so a rodent's a gnawing mammal, and they do like to gnaw on wires, and, and they can cause fires and shortages. So it is important that you uh, don't allow any rodents, squirrels or rats, to, to live below your house for that exact reason, as you mentioned. Um, the best advice would re really be call in a good professional in your area, and, and they have the expertise to come in and, and live trap and remove those animals. If you do not want them killed, that can be done. You just state that service, and, and that can be done. That's the best way to approach that. All right. Is that good advice for you, Susie. Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I have I have discovered in my backyard, I have a lot of rodents, uh, as you mentioned, uh, that they, they chew on your barbecue wires. Yes. Because if you leave the grease inside, right? Definitely. You know, when you barbecue, they go after that, and then they say, hey, some wire here. Yeah. Sometimes wires are also look like vegetative stems. So they're, forget the, pan, the pun, but they're hardwired to be attracted to that shape, that linear right. long thing looks like a stem. Uh, when New York City published this job posting for its first rat czar, remember that a few weeks ago, it, it, went, it went viral because it became a pop culture moment of its own. Uh, Bobby, did you think about applying? At that job? No, uh, you know, a, a czar, a governmental czar is someone that's great at organizing things, getting parties together, 
forming plans and this kind of thing. But I'm a rat scientist, not an organizer or a planner and this kind of thing. So, But I think it's great that the city of New York took that step to actually spot the importance of having a czar that's going to get everybody organized. But the rat czar has no experience in pest control, I understand. I'm not sure they would necessarily have to, although they're going to go through, you know, fast course and what it's all about and already have, and it's biology, and so, you know, their czar is trained in biology and so forth. I, I think they're off to a running start. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to David in Pittsburgh. Hi, David. Well, maybe we... Go. David, are you there? Yes. Hi, right, go ahead. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I have not heard you mention uh, that rats harbor fleas, and which can be very dangerous, uh, carrying bubonic plague and things like that. I think rats were uh, implicated in the Great Plague. Yes, it's it's true. They carry ectoparasites, you know, fleas, mites, and, you know, ticks, these kinds of animals. And so from that aspect, it is important, you know, not to have them again close to us because it may not be the rat themselves that uh, transmits a particular pathogen. It, it could be a flea, you know. And um, so in general, the rat being close to human beings is not, not a desirable uh, situation. Bethany, managing trash, it seems to be, is key here. Because yes. we leave it out. I mean, aren't we as guilty as the... the well, you can't blame a rat wants to eat something to eat, right? Get something to eat. I mean, if you're going to leave Thai food sitting on the corner like that, <laughs> of course. Who wouldn't? Um, yes, I think, you know, the, the rats are, um, you know, as Bobby said, the big issue is going to be managing people. And a lot of that people management is managing the sanitation in New York City, you know, trying to get rid of those piles of black trash bags that pile up on the corners every single night. Mm. Let's go to Cecily in Cambridge. Hi, Cecily. Welcome to Science Friday. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me on. Um, I just wanted to talk about the fact that it's critically important to consider the impact of rat control on raptors, on hawks and eagles and owls and other wildlife. Um, They're the natural predators. They're the natural pest control. And they're being poisoned at a really frightening rate. Mm. Where I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, you see poison. It's, It's out of control. You see black bins in in every yard, I've counted a hundred bins placed along an avenue when a town is doing utility work. And what happens is the poison accumulates in the tissue of the rats, and a weakened, dying rat is an easy prey. So, bird watchers and park goers here um, saw, for example, a family of great horned owls that raised and fledged two owlets, and then the whole family was poisoned, found having bled out. These are anticoagulants, so Mm. they bleed internally, bleed to death. An eagle was recently found just a couple of weeks ago who people had been watching. She was getting ready to nest. Um, She was found on the ground, rushed to rehab, impossible to save her. Ninety percent of red-tailed hawks who are brought into the Tufts Veterinary Clinic here have these eschars, these anticoagulant mm-hmm. rat poisons in their bodies. So okay. this has to stop. Okay, Bobby, you 
Yes, it's a great comment. It's a very important comment. In fact, um, I think it's an ecological imperative that this is addressed. Um, Right now, the Environmental Protection Agency is studying the issue in detail as to um, look further as to what intense restrictions are going to have to be implemented against these second-generation anticoagulant redenticides, ESCARs, you mentioned. So this is fully queued up right now, and there's a lot of attention on it. It's too bad it took so long, quite frankly. But um, for sure, changes have to be made in the use of these redenticides, well, for what, sure. What is the best way, then? Well, quite honestly, the best way, Ira, is what's called integrated pest management. And that means, as Bethany stresses in her book and and others, is you don't feed rats. These are mammals. If there's no food, there's no rats. And if you reward rats by them coming to your property just because one of your garbage cans is sloppy, they know that reward. They come back to that same spot over and over and over again. So the best place is sanitation is rat control, literally. Bethany, you agree? Um, yes, absolutely. And I also wanted to note that the second generation anticoagulant rodenticides that she was talking about have already been banned in California. There's currently a ban and they just got permanently banned in British Columbia in Canada. Yes. Um, so that's absolutely ongoing. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Stanley in New York. Hi, Stanley. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, well, um, in Istanbul, there are no rats. There are millions of cats. Same in Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, there's lots of cats, there's no rats, there's no mice. I live in Manhattan, okay? Mostly uh, in Chelsea Village area. I'm up on the Upper West Side right now for, uh, for another month or so. I notice the rats here are larger than the ones down downtown. But I believe the only thing that really takes care of rats is cats, Owls, hawks. I know New York City at one time uh, had uh, an owl program, and I know uh, doing uh, hunting for rats in Central Park. Mm. I know in uh, Washington Square Park, the Parks Department no longer puts out poison. They find the holes, they put dry ice in the holes of the rats. It sucks out all the oxygen, and the rats, and the rats die below in the ground. But, and if you have an apartment, there's three apartments on a floor. The apartment on the right and the left have cats. There'll be mice in the center apartment. All right, all right, let me get a comment. Let me, Bobby, let me just say that this is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. So... All those comments, all those techniques that we just mentioned, you know, they have a place. Um, and that is that is the trick about the rat. You need a multi-pronged approach to doing rats in cities. And once you have a city, for example, though, it's very difficult to, you know, in a city, to introduce lots of predators that are going to have space to prey upon the rats. The rats conduct below cars. They conduct down a sewer. They conduct down into a wall void. So it's not as easy as getting hawks and owls and cats and dogs and this kind of thing. Although, you know, here and there, they're all going to contribute. But the, mm. once they're in the cities, the best thing we can do is maintain, eliminate the food. And where do rats live in the country? 
in the country. They dig rat holes. We can, there's a word, rat hole, right? <laughs> That's right, burrows. Burrows. Right. And as Bethany mentioned, um, you know, the brown rat, the rat we have in, in most of our cities, you know, they are burrowing species from where they came from. They were burrowing into the ground. They construct an underground burrow about six feet long, nest is in the middle. They prefer to burrow in good soil. That's their natural home. But, but they, we talked, I'm sorry. But they'll take anything. You know, they'll adapt like the hollow trees they'll do. They'll do ceilings. They'll, they, that's part of their success. They will take whatever they can get. <laughs> Bethany, I think it's interesting that New York City has had a rat problem forever. <laughs> yes. But this is the first czar the city has ever hired. Why now? What's going on? <sighs> Honestly, I think some of it is that now the rats are being visible to people who are richer are of higher economic status um, because people have been dealing with the effects of rats, um, especially people who are living unhoused, um, especially people who are living in public housing um, for Ever, forever. Mm. Um, you know, there are reports um, that you can find of, you know, babies being bitten by rats at home while they're napping. And this was, I think, in 2018. There was a report on homeless shelters in 2015 that described them as overrun with rats. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's only when um, people who aren't living on public assistance start complaining <laughs> that but, we get well. these problems. Hey, has COVID people staying home? Bobby, has COVID had any effect on the rats coming out or being visible? COVID, especially during the shutdown, had tremendous impact on the rats. Uh, I was out doing surveys, for example, and when all the restaurants closed down and there were no bags of food, the rats pretty quickly learned uh, where is the gravy train. And so what we started noticing, the rats were leaving the areas where the food used to be abundant and spreading out towards residential areas where people were at home and putting out their garbage. So, and I suspect, although I have no empirical numbers to share, but I suspect millions of rats died as a result of the pandemic just from their own stress of fighting over the little tidbits of food that were left behind when everybody evacuated the city. Yeah, there was that iconic picture in New York of the rat with the piece of pizza going <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. But they are very smart, aren't they? They are, and there's a lot of good research to show how intelligent they are. And, you know, I have uh, evidence with my wild cams where showing them picking up sticks to set off rat traps, then setting off the trap and getting the bait after it's set off. So, and Tool makers, tool users. Th there are tool users, good publications, refereed publications on rats using tools. We've taught them to drive little tiny cars at Richmond University in Virginia. They did experiments where you put them in a little tiny car, they have to push the gas pedal, turn the steering wheel to get to the food. Bethany, last word? Um, yeah, I think we really need to appreciate rats for being the incredibly adaptable, wonderful little critters that they are, and then realize that a lot of the control issue is us. There you go. Yes, I, bravo. It's us. Uh, thank you both for taking time to be with us today. Bobby Corrigan, urban rodentologist and pest consultant here in uh, New York. Bethany Brookshire, science journalist and author of Pests, How Humans Create Animal Villains. Thank you both. Thank you, Ira. Today. Thank you. And if you'd like to read an excerpt from Bethany's book, go to sciencefriday.com slash pests.